Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. So uh, as I said back in May, I endeavor, the Lord spoke to me, um, that um, there is a leadership vacuum in the, in the body of Christ. A leadership vacuum, not only in the body of Christ, but also in the world. Um, Jesus talks about how the world does leadership, and um, he doesn't, and he literally says, that's not how the kingdom does it. All right? So we cannot learn our model of leadership from the world. Unfortunately, the majority of Larger churches do bring in business leaders, which they in turn then communicate to the congregation how they have done leadership according to a world standard, and many churches are following that, okay? And having a layer of success. But I would want to remind all those churches that Jesus said, what good is it a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. So it's really important that we then dive into the Bible to see what it talks about leadership. It's amazing how much money is spent in every sector of society to get someone in front of their group to talk to them about leadership. It's really amazing how much money those individuals make. And then people want to complain about pastors. People want to talk about pastors, you know, and, oh, they're just after your money. I mean, they're paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to hear somebody talk to them about leadership. And they charge <laughs> some hundreds of thousands of dollars just to speak. And they're getting it. I said they're getting it. Are you hearing me? The Bible has a lot of principles that we can see in the Word of God. And through the years, I've always had, um, um, I've always taken the time in layers of leadership in the church to be able to invest in those individuals' leadership principles according to the Bible so that they would be raised up. Across the church, you know, body in general, I typically do not have these conversations. I do it more if you're involved in our Elevate uh, supportive ministry, you're assigned somewhere, you're involved in the church, then somewhere leadership's getting trickled out to you or directly towards you um, through myself or through others that are overseeing certain areas. But the Lord spoke to me back in May and he says, you need to start doing it from the congregation to the congregation from the platform. So at that point, it seemed right with me and the Holy Ghost that I would endeavor the last Wednesday of each month then that we would purpose ourselves to make it a leadership-type teaching. And we did it in um, May into June. Then all of a sudden, uh, it might have been April into May. Yeah, it was May, June. We didn't go to the end of June. We did an earlier one in June because I had some meetings at the end. Then obviously I had tons of meetings in July. And so here we are in August, and we're going to do a leadership. Okay, now if you're on staff with Anchor Faith Church, of which we have 70-something employees, 72 employees, um, um, not all of them have heard this because we've hired a few since this was released, um, but I sent it out to all of our employees on this particular leadership lesson called Chain of Command. 
And I want to talk to you about that. So turn over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We gave you some principles right now that it will cause you to be propelled in any sector of society you're in right now. Okay, so what I'm teaching is not church stuff in the context it only works here. What I'm fixing to teach works everywhere you are. Everywhere you are, okay? This principle works everywhere you are, all right? Um, will we consider Jesus the greatest leader? Would we? Okay. So if he really is the greatest leader, then don't you think we should listen to him more than anybody else? So then I would encourage you right now, any leadership teaching you've ever heard, you should probably throw it out right now. Because if it don't line up with where I'm going tonight, you should just say, I'm forgetting that. I'll just get rid of that thought. I'm no longer going to hold to this author. And I'm even talking biblical, I'm talking Christian realm authors. All right? So here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 9 and 10, it says this, For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He what? He marveled. Think about that. The king of kings, the second person of the Godhead, hears a human, and not even directly from the human's mouth, actually, because this is one um, gospel account. Another gospel account is this person sent people to him to give this message. Are you hearing me? So he didn't directly hear this statement out of the person's mouth. And he marveled and said to those who were following Jesus at the time, he says, truly, I say to you, I have not found, I've not found it, such great faith with anyone in my covenant nation. The nation that I cut, my father cut covenant with and has had his word for centuries now, thousands of years, and I'm not founded. Wow. This nation should be somewhere on the map in a totally different location as far as uh, leading, should be a world superpower. But they're not. And a centurion who is a soldier in one of the most tyrannical governments on the planet called Rome has greater faith than anyone in Israel. Wow. Are you hearing me? Now, what's very powerful about this statement right here, and most people miss it, uh, we've said it here, so this bears repeating to some. Some of y'all, you've never heard this teaching, so we want to look at this. Just to give you the kind of background of what's going on, there is a centurion. He is a Roman soldier who has soldiers under him, okay? And as a result of that, he happens to have a servant, okay, who's not a soldier, one of his slaves that is sick. And this man has such compassion and cares so much for this slave he has that he has heard from the Jewish people that, you know, are trying to serve the father, 
the way they want to. This man wants to serve their God, recognizes he is God, and has given literally to them, okay? Um, from that, he, they show up to Jesus and say, this guy's worthy for you to come and heal his servant. I mean, he gives to us in our synagogues, I mean, he values the God we serve, the covenant, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the Lord says, okay, I'll come. I'll come heal the guy. So as he's en route, the centurions at his home realizes Jesus is coming, sends a couple of servants out to tell him that he's not worthy for him to even come under his roof. Not worthy. And his statement prior to this said this, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Because I'm not worthy for you to come under my house. He knows, I mean, he does not want to get in the presence of God because his sin is super exposed, right? He, he knows he's not worthy for, um, um, you know, this guy that he is recognizing as basically God in the flesh. There's something about Jesus. He is, or at minimum, a holy man, a powerful prophet of God that God's hand is on his life, period. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And he says, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. That's the condition we're in. And then he says why he believes that if he just says something, it'll happen. Because of this first statement, I am, for I also, there's an identification here, am a man, also am a man. So he identifies you're a man and I'm a man. And I'm a man like you. And the first thing he saw about Jesus was not the authority Jesus was in, but the authority Jesus was under. Very powerful. That he didn't look at Jesus' authority, he looked that Jesus is under authority. The first thing he recognized about Jesus was his submission. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The first thing he saw about Jesus was that man submitted. Now, in our society today, nobody wants to be known as the guy that submits. We don't want to be known as that guy. We don't want to be seen. Oh, you know, you, I see. You, you do what people say. What? <laughs> well, if you have that, then you don't have what God has. I'm just going to tell you right now. So the first thing he sees then, because it doesn't use this word, but it's there. I said it's there. For I'm a man also submitted to authority. And because I submit to authority, I have authority. So again, if you can't submit, okay. If you can't see yourself as a submitted person first, then any authority you have is worldly authority and you do your authority like the Gentiles leader and they lord it over their people. And Jesus addressed that concept not because the uh, disciples were asking for authority. They were asking, who's the greatest? And he says, ah, oh, you know how the Gentiles, the, these worldly, these guys of the world, how they lead, they lord it over people. But it's not like that with us. And then he goes on to explain. Now, if you want to be great, you're going to have to be what? The servant 
of all. You better identify with your submission way more than you identify with your leadership. Oh, I don't. You better learn to identify with your submission way more. In fact, you better look for opportunities to be doing something for someone instead of walking around trying to get somebody to do something for you. Hallelujah. It's not popular. We'll write a book anyway one day. <laughs> Dismantle all the, you know, Christian believing, you know, uh, leadership doctrine. Right? For I also am a man under authority. And because I have, I know what it means, which really this is a principle of um, seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping. In essence, why can this centurion expect that the ones he's over to go when, they, when he says go, to come when he says come, to do this when he says do this? Why would he expect that? Because when his commander says come, yes, sir, go, yes, sir, do this, yes, sir, not, man, I ain't feeling it today. See, now I can identify with this because I was in the military myself. Right? And, and man, man, when I saw the kingdom of God, like the Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring, when I recognize that my Savior has always been Lord and he's king, and he has a final say, and that simple principle then, yes, sir. And it's not like, yes, sir, I hate that you're my king. I wish I could take over your throne. We'll get to that. It's, yes, sir, I'm talking to love right now, and your command to my life is life. And I am just jacked excited to serve you and your cause, man. Come on, give me another order of command. Give me something to do, God, please. Are you hearing me? And so the reason why this man says, listen, I'm a man under authority just like you, but I'm also a man in authority, so I understand how this works. Because when I give a word in my authority, it is to be carried out. So all I need you to do is speak it. You don't even have to show up at the house. Your word has enough power to accomplish the task. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Jesus like, let it, let it be according to your faith, man. And he, that guy was healed right then. That moment. I said, in that moment. Because when the guys came back to the centurion and told what he said, he said, well, he said that how long ago? You know, I mean, obviously they didn't have, you know, Apple watches back then. You know, maybe they came around a sundial on their wrist. I don't know. But, you know, it took us about whatever time to be. He says, you know what? That same time my servant started to turn and was, being, and was healed. His, his whole situation turned. Because it, it happened the minute he said it. I said the minute he said it. Or hear me. So then, this scripture lets us know that there is a thing called chain of command. It is a biblical principle because it's not just a worldly principle. You say, well, okay, the centurion, he was with the Roman government. This is what Rome did. No, he identified that Jesus did this. And Jesus didn't say, bro, I ain't, I'm not submitted to nobody. Okay. Jesus is submitted. In fact, the Godhead has a chain of command. 
even in the Godhead, which is like almost mind-blowing. But we know that God is one, but yet three. He's three in one, triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about the Father in John chapter 12, verse 49. Look what he says. He says this, For I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who? Who what? Who sent me, which means Jesus didn't come because he loved you. Okay. Jesus would have stayed in heaven and never emptied himself of his glory if dad would have never said so. <laughs> for I did not speak on my own initiative, for I do not speak on my own initiative, but the father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what to say and what to speak. So Jesus, who is called the son of God, is submitted to the Father. Jesus only does what the Father says. So we need to understand this. The Father is the top of the chain. There is nothing higher than the Father. He is all authority. All. Now, when I was taught at Ramah, because of how the Greek says, when you get into these passages talking about authority, in the Greek, it literally means delegated power. And I remember a particular instructor, you know, would talk to us about that word. You know, you know, you have authority, which is delegated power. You know, want to make sure we had it. Delegated power, delegated power, delegated power, delegated power. And it was always kind of ingrained in us. Well, you know, as I got out of Ramah, started doing different ministry, was youth ministry for three years, and then came here and planted Anchor Faith Church, been here 18 years now. You know, as I continue to st st uh, stand and stand, study and I'm talking about authority and I kept giving that definition authority is uh, by definition is delegated power eventually it messed me up because I'm like that can't be the definition of authority it just can't now it can be the definition in the Greek in that scripture because in this passage of scripture this authority has been delegated power this authority was delegated power to the individual. Because again, if Jesus received his power from the Father, because authority is delegated power, then where did the Father get his power? If it literally just means delegated power. Well, no one delegated the Father any power. So true authority, in definition, would be the final say. It's the final say. So when you understand that Jesus has given, he has been given all authority, and then he tells us to go therefore in that authority, he has delegated us power. What is that power? He's delegated us that when we say what we hear from him, it'd be a final say on the matter. Boy, it's to help somebody because, again, when we're talking about you have authority over the devil, well, you will go through the chain of command and get to the Father's voice, and that trickled down to you, which means when you say it, 
It is the final say on that deal. And the father always does what he says. The only way the father's word does not happen is if you rebel. It's the only way it doesn't happen. You rebel. You rebel. Jesus literally told the Pharisees, he says, why do you transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? He says, you make the command of God null and void by your traditions. In essence, you love your way of doing God more than God's way of doing himself. Because if you would do it his way, you would get his result. So let's go to the next chain because there's the father. We know the son only listens to the father. Well, who's the Holy Ghost listen to? Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16 verse 13 says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Ghost, comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will, what? Not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Now, over in John chapter 14, when uh, Jesus says when he comes that he'll cause all things to come to your remembrance that I said. Uh, Pastor Mike, find that uh, verse in John chapter 14. I think it's 23, but verify that. John chapter 14, maybe 23 or 26, probably 26. Um, I just want to verify that as truth, uh, where it's literally at. Because he says, he will cause things to come to your remembrance that I said. So the Holy Ghost isn't speaking on his own. John 14, 26. Okay. John 14, 26, you can write it down for yourself. So the Holy Spirit, when he speaks to your spirit, is because he's heard from Jesus. Now, Jesus, when he talks to the Holy Ghost, whatever he says to him is only what he heard from the, from the Father. So what's the chain of command? Whatever the Father says goes to the Son. Whatever the Son says is revealed by the Spirit. Revealed by the Spirit to our spirit. And when we hear that, that is God's final say on the matter. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this caused me to have this thought process. How long has God been around? Good question, right? I think we can all answer that. Always. We can't fathom that mentally, but he's always been. And if God's always been, has he always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Wouldn't argue with that. He's always been the triune God. Because, again, we can see it in the book of Genesis, right? God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, that's a plural term. By the time you get down to Genesis 1.26, he said, God said, let us make man in our, not in mine, alone, I'm the father. No, in our image. Because it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, Father, Son, Holy Spirit has always been God. Jesus has always been the second person of the Godhead. Which means Jesus, for all eternity, has always been in a submitted role. Jesus has never, never been on top or in the role of the Father. And Jesus has never wanted it. 
Okay. So if Jesus has never wanted to lead, then where does the desire to lead originate from? Well, Isaiah 14 tells us where it originates from. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and 15. It says this. Oh, how you've fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You've been cut down from the, uh, to the earth. You have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I'll raise my throne above the stars of God. So he had a throne. He was in a submitted role as a created being. And when pride was entered into him, he decided, I want to lead. Jesus has never wanted to lead. Okay. Jesus loves receiving the command. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has never wanted to lead. Even though he leads. Because we are led by the Spirit. But is he leading? Which is why my leadership book is called Lead Follower. In the earth, we are the Holy Ghost is the, I am the lead follower of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the church. I'm just following the Holy Ghost. In your life, you should be the lead follower in whatever that circumstance is, whether you're uh, the head of the family or head of the organization or whatever. The Holy Ghost should actually be leading you. But <laughs> Jesus is the lead follower in the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit's following Jesus. Who's following the Father? And then we're just getting right in line. And the Holy Spirit's never said, I could do a way better job than this than the Father. Ah, but the morning star did. King James calls him Lucifer, Jesus calls him Satan, the devil. Prophet called him an anointed cherub. So then, if you have this, like, boy, if I could just run this company, oh, you might, you might not know what spirit you're of right now. Well, now, if I was pastor of that church, woo, you might not know what spirit you're of right now. Well, now, Jesus didn't have a problem with them wanting to lead, he didn't have a problem with them wanting to be greatest. Didn't have a problem with them wanting to aspire to layers of oversight and positions that had, a, that had authority associated with it. But Jesus literally says, don't call anybody a leader. You only have one. It's Christ. Meaning, because I emptied myself and became a man, God in the flesh, then I received back or I walked in the dominion the first Adam lost and demonstrated how as a man anointed of the Holy Ghost, you can pull heaven into earth and operate in that realm of dominion. And as a son of man, he is the lead. I said he's the lead. But he is listening to the Father by the Spirit. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Okay. So he said, I'll send my throne above the stars of God. I'll sit in the mount of the assembly of the recesses of the north. I'll send above the heights of the clouds, right? I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you'll be thrust down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit, right? Are you hearing me? So uh, in that context, then, anytime we engage anything, if you're in business, right, whatever sector of society you uh, function in and they pay you to be a kingdom citizen there, right, if you want to gr uh, go and influence, I would rather call it that way, and even then I use that term loosely, um, but if you want to be able to have capacity to serve, have the responsibility to serve more. Then if you serve, he will continue to exalt you. Now the world will call you a brown noser. They'll call you all kind of names, you know, because, you know, you're just trying to look impressive. No, I'm just serving everybody. And I'm definitely going to serve those over me because if I want people to serve under me one day without an attitude, <laughs> that, that manager, they are such a jerk. Well, keep saying it. Wait till you get become one. I mean, you're going to already have conflict even if you do it right because we're in a fallen world. But you, you just call it on. When you talk about, you know, who's overseeing the parking lot or guest relations, who's overseeing the district manager of your company or in your school. You're an employer and you work for somebody. Well, it seems like, I mean, I'm doing all the work here. Okay. Hallelujah. I could do it back. I'm going to do it on my own. Well, did the Lord tell you to do it on your own? Did he tell you to leave? We know how they're cheating me. Let them cheat you because God had taken account. Jacob did not leave Laban until the Lord said, son, it's time to go. And he had already told it. He was like, you know, your dad changed my ways 10 times. I mean, he was a horrible. By all rights and you understand he did all, and man, when a, a lot, one of his sheep got messed, I would replace with my own. I stayed up all night. I mean, I served this guy, and he, but he served him. And because of that, the Lord says, time to go. And he says, now, he owes you some wages. I know that. Oh, you don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. Why? Because we want to be leaders like we want to be leaders on our terms. We're not going to put up with somebody's unrighteous behavior around us because by God, we're Christians and we know they're a crooked manager, a crooked owner, and I'm not going to serve that thing. Well, you may be fixed. God may transfer their whole company to you. Oh, I, I thought that he would see who I am and that he would allow me to be able to be the person who could take this thing over. Well, it may come a different way, just like it did with Jacob. Jacob served for seven years for the wage of one woman and got a different one. And then in a week's time, got the one he wanted, but had to get another seven years. Which well, he already paid for her with the other. 
So apparently he's really paying seven years for the first one he didn't want in the first place. And that was just the first 14 years, not the other six, where he was constantly changing and, and doing things. And, but yet, when you hear that guy, he goes, you know how I did you this? <laughs> and he's like, you're a liar. Even as, even as other sons and servants knew that they were wealthy because of Jacob. And then the Lord said, Jacob, it's time to go home. So here's the plan. Tell him you want the spotted sheep. That's what you want. Now, you understand when he said that and Laban looked out at the flock, what do you think he saw? A bunch of nothing but solid color sheep. That's a good deal for me. But he didn't know that he had a plan, a way to feed that would produce a flock of such strength that all the ways that he had messed with 10 times, we know for sure, and then done him wrong with the, his daughters, he transferred all that wealth. Why? Because a man wasn't trying to take over the company. He was just serving. Oh, y'all. Serving. He was serving. You understand, you cannot take worldly leadership and expect to get as high as you can taking kingdom leadership. You can get a level of prosperity, don't get me wrong, and the devil will absolutely give you enough money so that you'll become so satisfied, and yet when you stand before the Lord and he shows you what you could have had, you're going to be like, I was broke. And you're not going to be like, well, it doesn't matter. I had enough when I was there. No, you, you won't be like that in front of the king. It won't be that kind of encounter. All right? So you have to understand there is a chain of command. In fact, when we pray, there's a chain of command. Look at this in Scripture in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. Look what it says. Jesus said, in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask who? If you ask who? Not Jesus. You know how many people are saying, Jesus, would you do this for me? Jesus is like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> Jesus said this now. He says, you're not going to ask question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything, how? In my name. When does Jesus' name show up in prayer? It's at the end. It's the power of attorney. You're invoking the power of attorney. Father, I'm asking, according to the covenant, according to what you said, that I have as a child of God, I'm speaking to you on these terms of concerning this, according to your word, and I ask these in the name of Jesus. Now you say, and then he goes, until now you've not asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Uh, until now, you've not asked for nothing, how? In my name. Not asking Jesus for it. You're asking the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The reason why you're asking the Father is because the Father told the Son to tell the Holy Ghost to reveal to you what you are to say in the first place. Then you go to the Father with his word that was revealed to you by the Spirit because the things of God are not naturally appraised, but they're spiritually discerned. So when you go to God, you're going to him with a revealed word. Father, your word says, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that these symptoms in my body 
although they are factually here. And by all rights, if I went naturally to a doctor, they would say, I have whatever, you know, it is. They give it a name. And by God, find out what the name is. I don't care. Whatever symptom, sickness, disease you have. But by his stripes, the stripes of Jesus, because what he did, I'm healed. It's the health care system of the kingdom. So, Father, I go to you in the name of Jesus, whom the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, that I can receive healing because of what he paid. And so I'm healed in Jesus' name, and I have it now. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know how many people have more faith in a pill? Right? They get the bottle. It has a prescription. It's got words on it. It's got somebody, somebody's authorized, got their authority name on it. Has the doctor's name. That's the authority that released this prescription from a drugstore to you that gives you instructions now of how you're supposed to take this. One three times a day. So you've never met the doctor or it is your doctor you met, but you don't know what grades he made. In. You don't know whether he cheated his way through, whether he was privileged through. <laughs> You're not checking their essays. You didn't go to their clinicals. You didn't go and hang out in their residency. Let me see you do open heart. Because you ain't touching me till I've seen you do it. But we're like that with God. Until I see it, I can't believe it. But you'll lay down, go under, and let somebody you never met open your heart. Kill you. Right? Stop your heart. And thank God they could do all this. I'm just saying, you see what kind of trust we have in man. And we take the first one, you know, you're going to do this for 30 days. You take the first one. And you're instantly already by the first one. Why are you taking it? Well, because this will make me better. So you have a faith in that it'll make you better. And you know as well as I do, because everybody can testify to this. You get about, you know, a couple days in, five days in, seven days in, you're like, man, I feel great. And you're like, you don't even want to take the rest of them. Now, it's either actually helping or it's masking your symptoms one way or the other, or you get the side effect that's listed somewhere else in so fine, fine, fine print that's usually maybe not even there. You have to go research where it's at, and then you go to the doctor because you got indigestion now, and you're like, what in the world? And they're like, you know what? Let me just write you a prescription. But it's a side effect of the other one. Now you're on another one. Now you got leaky gut. Now you got dry eye sockets. Next thing you know, you're 50 and you're on 10 prescriptions. And you're, and you're like, well, praise the Lord. All right. The Bible says the word does good. So why don't we take it? Now, am I against prescription drugs? I'm not against anything that will keep you in a position so that you can get the word in you. That's what I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, if you're letting anything take precedent over the word, you're already in a deficit. But I would much rather if you are in a position that you just can't firmly be persuaded that you have it already and let the power of God do it, then please, by all rights, be taking something 
so that it can keep you in a place so that you can get to that place. Right? But we won't miss one of those, but we're like, well, I'll read. I'm going to watch Gunsmoke right now. Why are you watching Gunsmoke? I've never understood that. Cancer patients, man, they come out of chemotherapy and they're watching, you know, Hallmark or, or, or the, the uh, TLC. I'm like, you need to be in the Word. Right? Hallelujah. Well, there's a chain of command in the church, guys. Okay. <laughs> Some that have heard it were a little more vocal. I'm going to say that again. There is a chain of command in the church. I didn't set this up. The Lord did. So really, if you have a problem with it, you have a problem with the Father. Although you'll blame me, but that's fine. <laughs> Let's look at this in Acts. In Acts chapter 20, verse 25 to 28, Paul talking to um, the men at, uh, from Ephesus, the elders. And it says, now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you to this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Why? For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. That's why I'm the innocent of the blood of all men. I'm going to preach the whole gospel, everything, the truth. I'm going to preach it. Okay? Then he goes on and says in verse 28, be on, your, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Now, are he, is he talking to natural shepherds and real sheep? No. He's talking to elders or pastors, and the flock is actually the congregation. So be on guard for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, has made you overseer. Now let me stop right there. Well, let me go on. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Okay? We got, got two people in the Godhead right here. So if the Holy Spirit says, I've called you to pastor this flock, he didn't say it on his own initiative. He heard Jesus say, Holy Spirit, tell Pastor Earl to oversee the flock called Anchor Faith Church. That's what he said. Well, where did Jesus get that from? The Father. The Father said, Jesus, you lay down your life shed your blood so the church could exist. And the church exists in local places all over the globe. There's a particular legislative assembly, because that's what the church is. It is actually more government. It is government. It is not religious at all. It, and when Jesus first said, I'll build my church, he used a government word. We hear it. King James said it, put it in as church, says it as church, recognize it as church because, again, there was such conflict with kingdom. And by that, for that matter, you know, um, there was trying to be a little bit of a separation, but it literally means called out ones. It was, it was already a word, ecclesia or ecclesia, however you pronounce it, and it was already a term that Rome knew because it's the same term Rome used for their senate. So Jesus didn't use a new Greek word. He used a term that everyone identified, here's my legislative assembly, here's my government. I'm going to build my government because I'm the head of it, and I'll build that, and we call it church. So it's really an embassy where all the ambassadors come to hear about the policies, right? 
So again, an ambassador in the embassy that's in a foreign territory is only speaking to its region concerning the position of the kingdom by in our rights, the kingdom we represent. Our ambassador in Nicaragua that's in an embassy does not go to the government of Nicaragua and say, I don't know what's going on with President Joe Biden right now. This is really what I want to do about it. They do not do that. What they do is say, here's the official position of the United States of America and our president. And they do that in order to maintain a layer of peace. Some of those ambassadors are in country saying, the position of my country, because when you meet an ambassador, you meet a country, is, it's not their opinion, is if you continue to do this, this is their position here. Are you hearing me? So then the Holy Spirit says to the elders or the pastors of, of the church that they were overseeing, they, I made you the overseer. Notice overseer, meaning I've given you charge of people you are going to constantly serve. And first way to serve is serve them the word rightly divided. Okay? But by all rights, they now become the established chain of command. Which means you don't do what you want to do in the church. Because Jesus doesn't do what he wants to do in the Godhead. And how many congregation members, well, I don't like what the pastor's doing. You do not know what spirit you're of right now. I don't even care, I don't even care if the pastor is ungodly. I don't even care. You want me to give you another one? I'll give you another one. Chain of command. God anointed King Saul. Why? Because they rejected God. We don't want God anymore as our king. We want a man. Fine, I'll put an anointing on Saul. This is what they're looking for anyway, but and I'll, do, I, I'll, I'll help him out best I can, but he's not me. At the end of the day, and he's definitely not him because he was physically what they wanted. And his heart showed up. And when his heart showed up, how? Through disobedience. The Lord took the anointing, and then he tells Samuel, he said, listen, don't be crying over Saul. I'm looking for a man after my own heart. And then he comes to him and says, I found him. You need to go anoint the boy. And he goes, Saul will kill me. He said, this is how you're going to do it. And he did it. And then David, a shepherd boy, shows up. The least likely candidate in Samuel's mind based upon the last king. But he anoints him. David, in turn, ends up serving that king. That throws spears at him and wants to have him killed. Sends him into war hoping he'll die, but in, in turn he ends up getting his daughter. Right? And when David, who's being constantly pursued by this, stripped of his anointing king, who by all right now is an unrighteous leader, comes into a cave to relieve himself, and, and all of David's men are saying, God has surely brought your enemy into this place so that you can finish this once and for all and be done. And he went up there, and he ended up cutting his clothes, and he hated that he even touched his doggone garment. And after he comes out, you know, he talks to him and says, man, I could have done it. 
You know, and there was another time he could have done it as well, right? He had ample opportunities to actually kill the man who was constantly putting pressure on him, but by all rights, he served him. Why? Because he knew, who am I to touch God's anointed, which was not anointed anymore. Now, you know what happened when Saul died, right? That a guy shows up and reports to David, Saul's dead. The king's dead. Well, how do you know? Well, I was there, and I killed him. And what did, what did David say? How could you not have the fear and, not, and touch God's anointed and killed the man? And then we're going to run around and talk about pastors. Hallelujah. I am not a Saul, though. I can tell you that. It's always identifiable who Saul is, who David is, and who Absalom is. Those guys are always identifiable. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's chain of command. In your business, there's chain of command. How are you honoring and respecting the chain of command? Are you hearing me? Look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Go ahead and say amen anyway. <laughs> say it anyway. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm only here because I was called. Right? The Lord sent me here and called me to do this. And I'll stand in that position, period. I'm confident in that. But I'm also just as confident the Lord says, hey, you need to hand this over to so-and-so. I'm done. See ya. And I've done this before when I was in Oklahoma and was the overseer of the youth ministry and the young adults with Pastor David. I served the man. Period. But when the Lord says, it's time for you to plant that church, I'm like, as much as I love all these people, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Because I refuse to stay in a place I'm not anointed for an assignment. Won't do it. We'll not do it. Not going to do it. And man, we were, at that time, we, we were living our best life. At that time, it seemed like that was our best life. I mean, it, there, there was a lot of natural things that would keep me just in that location. But you got to obey the king at the end of the day. Hallelujah. So, I mean, I can be like David, man. Absalom want to come in and try to take over? That's easy. Let's just step back for a second. Watch this thing. There's some things you can do like that. There's other times that, you know, kings try to come and conquer your life. You've come to the wrong place. Right? And the anointing take over and do some things at that point. Look what it says here. Hebrews, obey your leaders. Again, now, the writer of Hebrews says this. What's he saying? Those that oversee. Because, again, you only have one leader. It's the king. And he's submitted to the father. Right? And the Holy Spirit submitted to him. And I'm submitted to the Holy Ghost. And I endeavor to not speak anything on my own initiative. I mean, I do it. Come on, if you've been in a meeting with me, you know I'm saying these words. So let's go to the Bible. What's the Bible say? 
I mean, because at the end of the day, I really don't have an opinion on it. But, Pastor, you, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't really care what you've been in, what you've gone through, what's happened to you, or what you did. The blood has a, the ability to forgive everything and for you to walk in a way. So we're going to examine that. I met with husbands. They won't talk to me about their wives. I said, I don't care what your wife's doing. I don't care if everything you're telling me about your wife is actually correct. What does the Bible say you are to do? Now, it's assumable that you're correct in everything that you're saying about your spouse right now. And most likely, you're not right. But for the sake of just pretending you are, that doesn't relieve you from the responsibility to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So you don't have to get some. You don't have to get some to show her attention. Okay. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your, not your spirits, because Jesus made your spirit in him. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, period. But your soul, we've got a lot of work to do, <laughs> right? To keep watch over your soul as those who will give an account. So I'm going to give an account of how I minister the word by the spirit to help renew your mind. I'm going to give an account. Oh, man. And I'm way more concerned about that conversation than I am about whether you like me after our meeting. Way more concerned about that. Well, now, if you're telling me I have to do that, I'll just leave. Man, I, this vision was here before you came. This vision will be here after you leave at the end of the day. If that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Period. It's nothing personal. I want you to stay. I want you, but I want you to repent and do what God says. Because I want you anointed. I want you in the will of God. I don't want you doing your own thing, having your own opinion, doing your own idea. I want you like Jesus, under the authority. So you can thrive. Instead of bowing your chest up, act like you have something. Which means you actually have nothing now. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for the overseer. No. Now, people can say, well, I'm just going to make their life a living hell now. You're not going to make my life a living hell. It's not, you're not going to do it. Because number one, you can't steal my joy. When this scripture says, let them do this with joy, what is that? I go to Matt right here, and I, me and Matt's having a conversation about something he's going through, right? And I'm saying, now, what's the Bible say? And so we get with that, and then he's like, okay, pastor, I see that. I'm going to yield and submit to the word. Well, that gives me joy because I'm like, wow, look, he's doing it. He's a doer, right? If I tell him, he's like, man, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, man, I'm just telling you, that's how you got to do it. And then I see him not doing it. Well, that's grief. Ah, oh, man. I mean, I gave him the word. He knows what to do. He's just choosing not to do it. Now, my own personal joy is still fine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. You know, you've healed my body. You've done all these. Look how great. I count my many blessings. I mean, my life is still full of joy. I'm not walking around depressed because this individual is not applying the word. But when I see him not live up to his potential, ah, oh, it's like, geez, I just, ah, it doesn't have to be like that. As a pastor, that is the biggest grief I have is watching wasted potential. Whew. 
Look and seeing God dripped all over their lives. And they just won't yield to the word. It's like, golly, where we could be. But who won't profit because they don't do it? Won't do it. See, a chain of command is the establishment of responsibility. The minute the father said, now he's responsible to have what he said. A chain of command is an acknowledgement of abilities. I gave some one, one, two, one, five, based upon their ability. So they had the, one had authority over five, another had authority over two, one had authority over one. They all had ability to have authority over it. But the one who didn't exercise his authority properly, because to him, leadership was do nothing. Let everything serve you. I, I'm the guy. He's gone. But the five and two is like, I'm serving the one gone. Right? A chain of command is the releasing of gifts. So releasing of gift. And a chain of command is the reward for character and faithfulness. So this is what gets me. You know how many people in the church want leadership? But they'll come to a church and they don't want to talk to any layer of leader. They only want to come to the pastor. So my associate, Pastor Mike, stand up. He's my associate. Stand up. Pastor Mike, I'm saying, you know, listen, uh, you got a challenge? I got no problem. I'm going to set up a meeting with my associate, Pastor Mike. Oh, no, I can't meet with him. Or the receptionist, you know, they, they call the church and the one working the desk like, okay, what's going on? I need to meet with someone about my marriage. Okay, you don't, you're not going to meet with Pastor Earl. He's going to have you meet with Pastor Mike. He takes care of those particular things. Oh, no, no, I, I've got to talk to the pastor. Oh, you got to talk to the pastor. Well, you are. The one delegated with the responsibility. No, but I got to talk to the guy. I mean, I need to talk to the pastor. Right? And then they like, they want power now. You know, have you ever get around that person like, I'm going to lead? You won't even respect other people in their positions where they lead. So you're really the devil. I, mean, I, I might as well just say, just tell them the devil walked it. Tell them, I don't meet with the devil. Think maybe I'll just start telling our ministry. Tell them, I don't meet with the devil. I kick them out. I tell them to shut up and leave. <laughs> right? I mean, what disrespect to the overall leader when we won't listen to the one he's given instruction? I mean, think of the disrespect right now in many churches that don't honor the Holy Ghost. Oh, now, you just teach the word. Now, we don't have that Holy Ghost stuff. The Father sent the Holy Ghost stuff. You're disrespecting the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not even saved. If he wasn't to talk to your spirit about Jesus, you wouldn't even have the ability to have a confession. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
and we see lack of honor all the time. I don't care if the corporation's corrupt. I don't care if the sports coaches are corrupt. I don't care whatever. If they've been appointed in layers of leadership, then at the bottom line is you need to honor the position, period, and serve. Because it will guarantee you that when God exalts you, Because you honored it. Oh, I got to talk to the, no. Man, I'm a chain of command guy. I mean, to purchase this mall, I went through the chain of command. Went through the chain of command. Because I'm like, if I could have kept working with the ones underneath, I'd have worked with the ones underneath. But when the ones underneath, I'm like, man, I've, I have talked to the guy once. Twice, actually. But, and I, and I, I really believe we could get there. And then I'm just, you know, I mean, have you ever gone, you've, you talk to a server, they don't do something right, and you're like, man, can I talk to your manager? Right? What are you, you're going up chain of command. They don't resolve the, you go up chain of command. Because people are in this chain for a purpose. So don't get sideways with nursery. They're doing what they've been told to do. I want to walk back and see my kid. You're not coming back here. If that's what, if that's what we've established. Right? Hallelujah. Okay, let me close this thing down. Um, man, I want to leave it on a high, but I do have to say a couple of other things. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and 30. This is what happens when you do not respect chain of command. Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and 30 says, I know that after my uh, departure, Paul says, wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from, and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them, meaning they won't followers. Okay? So the first thing we learn in this passage of Scripture, a violation of chain of command is an act of a savage wolf. The minute you don't want to submit to a layer in a, a chain of command, you're acting like a wolf. Hallelujah. Shepherds do not like wolves. Don't like them. Because wolves only come to destroy the flock. So the role of the shepherd then is to get rid of the wolf. Okay? A violation of the, of the chain of command is a lack of honor. It is a lack of honor. Oh, I just want to be next to the pastor. If you can't, be, can't honor the chain, being next to me is a waste of time. Because you sure don't honor me, even though you tell me I'm great. <laughs> Hallelujah. A violation of the chain of command will reap rebellion from those under your oversight. So when I speak to my staff about this, I want them to know that at the end of the day, I'm not going to violate my chain of command. I have people, Pastor, can I talk to you? Well, have you talked to the one in the area first? Because you're wasting your time having this conversation with me. I'm not going to violate the person I put there. Because here's the thing. I don't care if you think that I would have the answer. 
I'm empowering them to have an answer. At the end of the day, if they make a wrong answer, you're probably not going to know. I can correct them in private and say, probably wasn't a good response. Unless it was a really bad one, then I would have to come back and say, they made the wrong answer and I stepped in. But I have not really had to do that. Because again, we train them, period, how to function with the vision so that it can. Again, you want to do something phenomenal. I know the reason why I'm surrounded by great people calling, and I'm talking you, is because with Pastor David Emi, I served the man's vision. Ate, eat, breathe, drink. I didn't go to be his buddy. I went to serve his, the vision God gave the man. And I never would have left his side. Never would have left his side. Would have stayed there the rest of his life. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but I'd have served the rest of his life. Because I'm there to serve the vision, not become his buddy. Although I did things with him personally. I worked out with him. I did certain things that some of the other staff didn't do. And as a result of that, I was categorized. But I don't care what they think because I have biblical precedent that tells me how I'm supposed to respond. And before that, I served Pastor Hagen while I was in school. Before that, I was serving somebody else, some other pastor. And now pastors allowing me to serve him again in another capacity at Rama, of which I jacked about. And I love talking about that even more than the oversight that I have. Not because I don't love the vision of Anchor Bay Church. I love that I'm under because it guarantees me Anchor Faith Church's vision will be successful. Guarantees me. Because Rhema's global now. My submission to Rhema may be the very thing that causes Anchor Faith Church to go global. Not that I'm seeking global. I just want to do the vision. Are you hearing me? And the same thing with you. Wherever you're at, if you'll recognize who's in authority, their righteousness or unrighteousness is irrelevant. It's irrelevant because your king says, serve. You serve them faithful. You serve them without talking about them. You're generous. Even your enemies you're supposed to bless. And if you'll do those things, God can have capacities to begin to remove unrighteous people that are in your, I know with them all, there were three owners. Right, Pastor Marcy? Three owners. And there were two that were blocking it. Two. And God removed them. One I thought was an easy pickoff, to be honest with you. Thought, well, that's an easy pickoff. The other one had been entrenched with this individual for 20-something years in partnership. And out of nowhere shows up one day and says, I think we're going in different directions. Let's separate and left the only man standing who looked at me and says, I'll work with you. <sighs> and you know how I served that man and that organization when they wouldn't fix our air conditions? When we had water coming down and running down the sanctuary walls? I didn't, when I was summoned to a deposition because another tenant was suing them. 
And for the record, they were asking me about my relationship with the owner. I said, I have no problem with the man. Although they didn't do everything that they said they would do. I said, anytime I've talked to them, they've been very cordial. I've, listen, I've just not had a challenge. Because any challenge I had, I put it in his hands. Oh, y'all. Just think if I'd have ran that guy through the ringer in that deposition and talked about all the issues and challenges I had, and then he'd have pulled that up in public record, because it would have came, it would have been in the records. You think he'd have wanted to work with me? David says, man, I shouldn't even have touched this coat. No, no, I'm not telling the owner was unrighteous. I, I mean, you know, he had other people around him that were really doing stuff at the end of the day. Sweet guy. All right? But we need to. We are in a culture that chain of command means nothing. And you're not going to thrive in God's kingdom that way. In God's kingdom, you're going to have to get under the chain of command. Amen? Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking around. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you it's alive and active shepherd than any two-edged sword. I thank you for leadership in your kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, we just can yield, submit, walk in love. Because if we're serving you by doing your word and then serving those that have oversight over us, no matter who they are and what positions they're in, then, man, you'll always take into account what we've done and we'll be blessed by it. We thank you and praise you. If you're going to walk in this kind of leadership, though, you must be first submitted to Jesus. And the only way that you're really submitted to Jesus, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.